Alright guys, um, I don't know if you can hear or not, but I'm rubbing my hands together. Uh, welcome back to another episode of 100 Books a Year with Kevin. Um, today we're going to do a mega episode because uh, um, we usually do not update, do not uh, do a uh, podcast on Saturdays because you know I'm just mentally exhausted after I work. But today I will make an exception. Um, for those of you that don't know, um, I'm a business nerd, right? I I I, I uh, dabble myself in investing, in um, uh, talking about uh, index fund and stocks and long term investment, all that stuff. Uh, I just have to talk about it. There's there's no way around it. It's right in my wheelhouse, right? The whole Robin Hood uh, GameStop saga. Um, it is right in my wheelhouse, and um, there is uh, technical things, and I spent a couple hours uh, today just doing the research and listening to podcasts and getting some viewpoints, and um, let's just do a podcast on it, and then um, there are some very interesting things that I think a lot of other podcasts or the news articles are not covering, and I think... It's just something that I really enjoy think about and talk about. So let's start, right? So let's start with this. What can we all agree on, right? So what happened this week was that common people, right? What that means is the retail investor won against the elite, the institutional advisors, right? The investors. And it's the normal people versus the hedge fund people. And the normal people won. And in a sense that the view of the, you know, like the more of the retail environment, right? Like, or let me rephrase that, right? Robinhood creates a lot of retail investor, right? And I think that's a truly good idea. And it's really going to help others trying to gain access to the market. So a stock trading is for everybody, right? Like a it really brings an egalitarian view of a stock trading, which I really like. Now, what we can also agree on, I think nobody will argue this, is the power of the social media, right? So the whole thing uh, got started with a Reddit group called Wall Street Bets, and then you see the power of social media having an effect, and then it really, really took on the biggest challenge of the cutthroat um, hedge fund people. Right, and then really, really move the needle in that regard, right? So, so far, what we can all agree on is three things: retail investor uh, getting access to trading stocks frictionless is a good thing, and the more retail investor joining the market is actually a good thing, make it more egalitarian, and they won with the power of social media with hundreds if not thousands or hundreds of thousands of people trading all at once. I think the number was like there was like 10 million people trading GameStop stock um, by the very end of the day, I think on Thursday. So what are the negative things that we can all agree about? And then we can go into the nitty gritty details. I have notes prepared here. I think we can all agree that I talked about this before on this podcast. Investing stocks is essentially a speculation, right? It's not uh, investing in businesses, right? 
trading stocks or trading expectations or trading a speculation, it has nothing to do with growing the company's business or invest in that business, right? And I think this is probably one of the good example, positive example of this. But we live in the world where we have a very, very large and very, very uncontrolled social structure. I think we saw that with the capital riot, right? On January 6th in 2021, we saw it with the rise of Bitcoin and we're seeing with this. So whenever we have an uncontrolled social structure, wherever we have a kind of environment where there's less regulation, then in a sense, things like this will create a giant echo chamber and it will move the market. And I think there is actually two ways that you can think about it, right? One way is uh, the it provides largely a benefit to the society, which is um, this event, right? Uh, GameStop versus Robinhood or uh, Robinhood or a retail investor versus um, the institutional investor. But the thing is, is I have my beef with Robinhood, which, which we're going to get into right now. But the thing is, is there's not enough regulation for tech company or for a hyper growth company that prevented this from happening. And I'm going to touch on a little bit more on how this will be the, like, what is my beef about this whole situation? But there's actually not a regulation about Robinhood or public or square cash, right? There's not enough rules and laws that the centralized government are not being controlled or controlling enough to get through this entire saga. And then we land on this idea of, okay, should we keep doing the centralized movement, which brings a more of a slower movement, or should we talk about a more decentralized, more uh, rapid growth ideal in terms of Okay, this is what we're talking about in terms of regulations, right? So those are the three negative things that we can all agree on. One, Robinhood should be more regulated or we should be living in a more of a uh, control social spaces, right? Because those things are important. I'll talk about it why was in uh, later on on this episode. And we talked about the in the uh, interesting topics about decentralization and centralization control, right? Which we will touch on later on. So, let's talk about a, a couple of definition. First of all, what what is GameStop? So GameStop is a retail store. It's a physical location where you can buy video games, buy console, and then they will buy all video games from you. Um, I don't remember when it got started. Maybe in the seventies or eighties. Don't call me on that. But right now, with all the PlayStations and uh, Xbox, when they're going vertical, they have their own online store. They do not need to go to the mall or go to a GameStop to get their games anymore, right? So that is why GameStop is used here as a prime example of uh, hedge fund being shorted here, but which, which we're gonna get to in a minute. But hedge fund itself, sorry, GameStop itself, it is a physical retail store chain that have you to exchange and buy games and buy consoles and sell games and sell consoles. Okay, what is a Robinhood app? So Robinhood app 
it is a uh, financial app and it allows you to trade stocks for free. Now, you might ask, how are they gonna make money? We're gonna get to it like a bit later in more detail, but in a nutshell, Robinhood makes money by a thing called a direct order float. So what that means is when you place an order, about a couple minutes seconds before you place an order, they will send your data, they will watch which stock is getting hot, and they will send that data to a uh, prime brokerage. So what that means is they will execute the order before you so that they can sort of predict the market going up and down. So that is how Robinhood makes money. Now, the very, very key thing here, I think is really, really important to know is that Robinhood is a platform, right? They do not own any of the stock. They need to get the stocks from somewhere else. So what that means is in a situation that we saw this week, when there's a, a very, very volatile, right? Like it went like straight up, like 1700%. Robinhood does really, really well when the market doesn't have that much volatility. That's first. And secondly, it really, really doesn't like, you know, big ups and downs. And we will cover why in a minute. Now, the next definition, what is short selling? And why hedge funds like to short sell? So short selling, the best example that I can use, I heard it from a podcast, is that let's say you have a one-of-a-kind collector coin or a stamp or whatever, right? There's only a few of them in the world. (coughs) Excuse me. Let's say you sold it to someone temporarily for $20, just roughly, right? Now, you have to buy it back somehow. Right, or you want to buy it back down in the future. So what that means is, if you want the value of the uh, coin go up, let's say you buy it back from $25 price point, what that means is you just lost 25 bucks, right? You sold it for 20, you buy it at a higher price for 25 for the same coin. So you're rooting for the prices of the coin going down. So let's say if you buy a coin, one of a kind, for $20, and you bought it back for $15, sorry, you sold it for $20, you buy it back for $15, then you made money, you made five bucks with that shorting of the coin value. So so that's like a very, very straightforward answer of a shorting. Um, So why hedge fund do this? Hedge fund is being considered as the uh, apex predator of Wall Street, right? They... They love to short a certain companies and then make their life suffer and then they take money away from them and then they make money from them. Now, how they do it, I'm not gonna go into that much detail because I'm not a short seller, I cannot tell you. I know a little bit about it, but the thing that I'm trying to get at is I want you to get an idea that short selling is rooting for the company or the thing that you're betting on is value going down, okay? The Wall Street did it uh, with a Tesla, uh, with a pre-Model 3 production for about a couple years, where Elon has been put through hell because the company had, was being shorted against, meaning that they will try anything to bring down the value. If you ever watch this uh, episode of the show Billions, you know what I'm talking about. Right? That kind of depict their, the, uh, the um, world of a um, hedge fund manager very, very well. Okay. Number four, what is Reddit? 
So Reddit is a uh, internet social media board where people can create forum and then like-minded people can chat. So this whole thing, this the this the, like the beginning of the whole GameStop saga started with a Reddit page called Wall Street Bets a couple of years ago. Now, the next definition I want to talk about is the definition of insolvent. So. When a company is insolvent, what that means is the money that they're generating is not enough to cover the debt. So the reason that this one will comes in to a little bit of a role play later is because somebody like we we don't have the complete photos right now or the complete pictures right now, but somebody can speculate in a way that Robin Hood Paused the buying action, so they banned people from investing in BlackBerry in AMC, which is a uh, you know um, movie theater right chain, and in GameStop. And then I think a couple hours ago, I checked they they banned like people purchasing stocks for like fifty companies. They banned them for the buying action, so meaning that people do not have the ability to participate in market going up, regardless of if that is a good investment practice or not, they ban it from you. They take the, uh, that option away from you, and then they only allow you to sell it. So let's say um, I saw the hike and I want to put my money down for GameStop. I cannot do it as of yesterday or two days ago, or for BlackBerry or for uh, AMC. Right, so those are the stocks that are actually being heavily shorted against. We're gonna talk about that a little bit more down the line, but for the time being, there are some speculation saying that the reason that Robinhood does that when they're banning the buying action on their app is because they are insolvent. I'm gonna to get to a little bit more in details about that. Okay, so just on Wednesday or on Thursday, there are ten million people in a day traded. GameStop stock. Now, the next thing I want to hit on is what does it mean by a short interest. So, the reason for the entire Reddit、um, inspiration is because of the fact that they discover that the hedge fund people, the you know the、uh, hedge fund groups, they put out a hundred and twenty percent short interest on. GameStop is the highest on any companies in the U.S. So, give you some examples, right? Typically,、uh, the physical retail is on the shorter list.、Uh, Dillard's,、uh, they have a thirty-one point something short interest. AMC, we just talked about it, have a seventy-eight point nine percent short interest, and Nordstrom has about twenty-nine percent short interest. But GameStop exceeded them all, which is why it sparked this kind of a.、Um, Revelation that we had a couple of days ago. Now, the next thing I I want to talk about in terms of definition is a call option. So, what is a call option? A call option is something that when you are buying the stock, you are no longer buying the actual stock. You are buying the right to buy the stock down the road. So, what that means is, let's say somebody is. Uh, some some company is going IPO. Let's say on Thursday, you can put in a call option. Let's say on Wednesday, in the anticipation for the IPO the next day. 
right? And then the last two or the last three, I want to cover are very, very important concept here. So what is an institutional investor and what is a retail investor? So an institutional investor is somebody that's within the finance world. That's probably people from the Wall Street, people that are close, right? The whole um, you know, uh, investor scene. So they will get a stock before they go public, for example, for cheaper. And then retail investor meaning is everybody else, right? I will use an example uh, from Airbnb because that was fresh on my mind. Um, Airbnb, the uh, estimated stock price, I think, before the IPO was 40 bucks, which was huge during that time, right? And then the institutional of, uh, investor got in, I think, at price 60 or something. So they already bought their share. They already invested in the companies at $60 per share. And then the day of the uh, IPO, the stock jumped to $160. So what that means is whatever the institutional investor invested in Airbnb at $60 a, a share roughly, they already doubled their investment the next day, right? So what that means is the institutional uh, investor can get hot stocks or can get good price investment lower, like a lot lower compared to a retail investor. And if you are, say, getting the Airbnb uh, stock on Robinhood on the day of the IPO, you are starting off at $160. So in a sense that the retail investor has already doubled or more than doubled their investment, the retail investor only are starting at zero. So that is the whole gag, whole um, conception about this right here. Now, the last definition before I want to dive into what happened is the idea or the definition of a short squeeze. So what is a short squeeze? So a short squeeze are generally performed by a long seller, right? Which means regular stock buyers. What that means is they buy the uh, certain volume of the stocks, they own it. There's only a certain amount of stocks out there. Let's say uh, there's $100, sorry, there's 100 shares of stocks out there. Let's say you buy 50 of them, okay? And then if you hold, hold on to them, the world only has 50 uh, shares of the stocks left. So what that means is a short squeeze is actually a tactic to push against a short seller because when the time that they need to buy back those stocks, let's say you know uh, you want to buy back the same stocks for a lower price. If you do that, there's not enough volume of stack of stocks out there. Even though you want to buy them all, you can't. So in a sense that it will guarantee the loss for the short seller. So that's what we call the short squeeze. Okay, guys, that was a bunch of definition. They're all the way, and I was trying to explain exactly what happened and then I will trying to elevate it back to a more of a higher level and then we can kind of wrap on this podcast so what exactly happened right it's, it's like the classic story of David versus Goliath right like the uh, Wall Street um, top elite guys versus the common Joe who trade stocks on their phone so what happened was that 
since the beginning of this week, both sides has gained some volume, right? So what that means is the trading volume in GameStop for this week has reached around $100 million. Now, since more and more hedge funds started to go into the short position and there's some momentum hedge fund that want to go into the long long position, there's more and more people on the side of short squeeze compared to the firm that are shorting the stock. So what that means is in the battle of the pro and the and then the average row, there are more people doing the short squeeze and there are less amount of capital uh, capital are backing the uh, shorting of the stock. So what that means is there are more traders on the long side and the side doing short squeeze and then there are compared to the people on the short squeeze side. Sorry, on the shorting side. So since this week, because the hedge funds, they need to short more and more, and there are more and more pressure on them shorting more. So they're actually needed to get more collateral to buy the shorts because they need to pay for it right there for the GameStop stock, right? So they need to pay for it and then trying to hold for the prices to drop so they can sell at a lower price so they make money in that way. So in a sense that a lot of the times for earlier this week, hedge funds were actually selling their longing stock, right? Their investment that are hoping to do well, let's say Amazon, let's say Apple, let's say uh, Facebook stock. So they start dumping those stock, which causes the market to go down earlier this week. Okay? Now, because of the influence of social media, of the Reddit people, the Wall Street bets, the trading volume went through the roof. Now, this is the part that I want to hit on that I want to really express my beef on is that Robinhood they stopped the buying action on Thursday. So here is how Robinhood makes money and here's what I think Robinhood business model is flawed. So the whole premise of Robinhood is they let you to trade stocks for free. Now what they do is they watch how people trade their stocks and right before you, you you like trade, they will send your data, just like Facebook, just like Google, they will send your data to a prime brokerage firm, which are heavily uh, utilized by the hedge fund. And then the prime brokerage firm will see people buying a certain stock, let's say GameStop, and then they will put in a order before you do. So, the, so they will call dibs and those things happens within the milliseconds of uh, the transaction. So a regular retail investor on Robinhood would do not know anything like that will happen. So in a sense, those prime brokerage firms, they pay Robinhood a lot of money. I'm thinking, I'm looking at, at some numbers between 40 to 60 billion every quarter. So that's how Robinhood makes money. So in a sense, here is the beef. Here is the part where um, the insolvent conversation comes in. Robinhood doesn't have that much cash in their bank to put up a cash margin whenever somebody do a trade. Or let me put it in like another way is that their customer base is so big, they don't have the money to back it out. 
and they don't have the stock. They need to get it from from somewhere else, right? So, so whenever you're buying a stock from Robinhood, what's happening there is that they will take your money, and then they will give you like an IOU, and then, and, and then they need to get that stock from somewhere else. So in a sense, that the more volatile the market is, the more financial pressure was being to put on Robinhood because Robinhood is sort of like shorting themselves in the sense that, let's say if you buy the uh, GameStop stock, let's say, I think when it gets started, it was like 20 bucks or 30 bucks and then it jumped to 300. Let's say you buy the stocks at 40 bucks. So what that means is, the Robinhood is actually liable for that $40 worth of stock. Unless you buy again, like in the next hour for 55, then they're liable for 95 total, not 80, right? So now you see, if you don't have the money to back it up, or if you don't have the the cash margin to back up the call option for the time that you want to buy later, then you don't have enough money to cover all the transaction. So it will so it become like a kind of like a shell company or like a Ponzi scheme. I'm I'm sure they're 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 not a Ponzi scheme, but it became uh, liable. So in a sense that Robinhood was scared of being insolvent and then they stopped some of the buying options on their app as a platform because they risk of the price going up and up and up and up and up, then pretty much the Robinhood will go out of business. So the thought process here from a general, from a higher perspective, is that when people are debating the fundamental value of GameStop, that is what the form was designed to do. It turned out to be two dogmatic sides of the argument. Right? One side is a shorting of the stock, the other side is longing of the stock. Now, in this particular case, the retail investor won in the longing of the stock, right? taking the long position. But the thing is, is the real issue here, in my opinion, is not, oh no, uh, GameStop is not worth that much, oh, it's a big bubble. No, that's not the focus. I think the biggest issue here is that some firm trying to put a limit on trading. Think about it, right? If you're saying, okay, um, oh, the GameStop uh, stock has been going out at 20% for the last couple of days, so let me get in some of that. You cannot do that on Wednesday or on Thursday. Regardless if that is the good investment practice, that doesn't matter, but a platform should not limit you for purchasing a stock or for purchasing uh, equity because of the fact that they did not manage their business well. They don't have enough cash to put up as a collateral or as a credit line or as equity. That is my beef. So they're actually limiting the people who want to buy that cannot buy, who want to put their money to good use that cannot do that on their platform. And to be honest, this whole movement is so great in the sense that they almost, almost put out a couple big um, hedge fund, like put them out of business. And then like, they almost do it. If, if uh, Robinhood doesn't pause the, the uh, buy option, I truly believe that Melvin and there's a, another uh, hedge fund will not be here today. 
because of the fact that they got the short sellers so good that they were literally going to shut down a couple of the hedge fund firms. So here's the thing. Here's about the bottom line, right? Is that when somebody put up the money to buy a stock, the the platform Robinhood takes the money or derivative or call options, whatever, they need to have something to back it up. And Robinhood itself doesn't have that, that resources and Robinhood itself is really under equitized relative to what they let the customer do to, to like do. Right? So a good example of that would be maybe um let's say buying something for your friends and, and like family, right, without um putting up your your like uh, own money and then you have to put up your own money to buy and then you're not sure if the friends and family will like it. It's kinda like that. Right? So that was uh, this is a long podcast. Let's wrap up talking about what what is the takeaway here, right? So first of all, um we know that Robinhood is going to get IPO'd soon, maybe this year, maybe by the end of this year. Um, I wonder what this will do to their IPO process. I wonder if the company will still make it, and I wonder what is a public perception of Robinhood. Secondly, the role of social media. I really think that we talk about this in the beginning of the podcast, this is a positive use of a social media generated movement where they are really trying to close the gap between institutional investor and retail investor, right? The idea that a retail investor can just buy out a stock and drive the pricing up and up and up and up that almost shut down the platform and almost shut down two hedge fund companies that just unheard of, right? And the social media and can also cause what we call the mob behavior, right? That's what what, uh, what we see from the storming of the capitals in the earlier this month. It's a similar idea right there. Okay, number three. I really think that Robinhood should look at what they're doing in terms of their business setup. I do get it. It is a startup. I do get it. It is a very, very fast-growing company. But this, in my opinion, is a very, very illogical uh, male practice in terms of business management techniques. And I personally think that Robinhood should be liable for or, hold, or hold, uh, hold accountable for blocking people to trade on their platform because they don't have enough security to back it up. Number four. Um, <clears throat> I think this is something that reaffirmed my belief that the stock market is purely a speculation. We talked about it a couple of times before with the um, John Bogle's book, right? And this shows you the power of group psychology is, right? For example, Tesla, Elon. We understand that Elon doesn't really have the car production down packed a year ago or like a year and a half ago. But the reason that the Tesla stock still going up is because Elon sold us that vision. Elon is the embodiment of Tesla 
and Tesla in turn sold us that vision. Bitcoin, same thing, right? The security of the future uh, currencies have the uh, have the potential to disrupt the whole, uh, you know, the fiat currencies. Same thing. It sold us a vision. We talked about this before. Investing in businesses are different than buying stocks. Right now, what Robinhood is doing, I do believe that there are a lot of good things attached to it. But the thing is, is most people, they purchase stocks on the belief that it will go up higher tomorrow. That's it. They don't care how the company does. They don't care how the contacts is. They want to see that number go up tomorrow and then they sell it. Right? That is gambling. Right? That is what it is. Like, there's no going around to that. Right? That, that, uh, that is gambling. But the thing is, is most of the assets, most of the stocks are purchased. The whole reason behind that is that they believe that the price will be higher tomorrow. So we start dreaming up this kind of a style. We start dreaming up this type of gaining value in a sense that it is not really logical. Right? Next thing, GameStop. I really don't know what the what the GameStop's future is, to be honest. I think what I'm hoping for is that maybe they can do some um acquisition, maybe they can do some talent acquisition where they can, you know, like boost up their um retail score, maybe have an online presence. I I I heard that the uh founders of Chewy, the pet food delivery network joined their board of uh, directors a couple years ago, I think. But I don't think that GameStop will have a bright future because of that. Now, next one is this whole idea of centralized movement and decentralized movement, right? So what we saw this week was a prime example of a decentralized movement where it's driven by social media, where in a sense that everybody was going along on the GameStop stock, then in a sense that it actually create huge impact and showing us, okay, this is possible. But the thing is, is my takeaway from all of this is that we are now down to the powerful tech companies to rule our lives. And I, I think... Um, we should break up big tech companies for this reason, is that they should not impugn on providing a platform. They should not at least permanently ban people from their social media account. That's my perspective on it. And from another perspective, we can see that the feedback loops are really, really in, uh, dangerous, right? People are like, yeah, like going long on uh, like, you know, um, GameStop and let's buy them and let's shut the uh, hedge fund business down. When you, when that happens, right, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, millions of people are doing the same thing. What happened is that is where war started, right? That is where terribly bad things happen because there is a, this concept in sociology called the diffusion of responsibility, Right? Let's say five people are going to, uh, you know, let's say break into the capital, right? 
if you have five people, then you feel like your responsibilities are much greater than if you are in a pack of 500 people, right? So this whole idea of ethical um, conundrum or this whole idea of the ethical line that people draw, you feel less of that when you are in a big group. And I think that is the take-home uh, take message, even though I think that most likely it will come with a very, very positive outcome for all of this, but it really, really makes us think is, okay, should we want to keep doing our decentralized movement like this, like storming the capital or buying Bitcoin? Or should we not make too much of a radical changes and then really trying to fix the process for our centralized movement or, the, or our centralized institution like the Federal Reserve? Maybe we can make it adapt to the times more and more instead of trying to get something, quote-unquote, roll with the times, and then it has a very, very dangerous momentum or potential to actually cause a lot of trouble. So, yeah, guys, this is a long podcast. I'm done right here. Uh, this is a mega bonus episode, and I really feel like this, something, uh, this is something that is unprecedented, and this is something that we have never really encountered it for the last, ooh, I want to say decades, maybe. Like maybe since like the um, 80s or the 70s or maybe, I don't even know. Like I'm not that familiar with the financial history, but this, is, this has never happened before on a scale of time, like how quick it happened and how much in, uh, impact that it has. All right, guys, I'm freaking tired. Thank, uh, thank you for listening. And you guys have a good day.